Well, what a wonderful hymn. I hope you were, as I was, looking at the words and uh, being enthralled by them. Um, some wonderful, wonderful words. I just looked up the author. It had to be someone like Charles Wesley. It is a Charles Wesley uh, hymn. Uh, he, I think it was his brother, John Wesley, who uh, gave that famous quote, My people die well. Let us then with joy remove to the family above. On the wings of e angels fly. Show how true believers die. But here we are. We have a, a life to live until he uh, calls us home. And the second part of Romans chapter 12 onwards really do go into Christian conduct, Christian living, application of the gospel. It's been so greatly portrayed in the first 11 chapters. But here we are in chapter 14. And the great governing verse is verse 1. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him in, but not to quarrel over opinions. Don't dispute over disputables. We've gone through uh, these first 12 verses. Uh, I think this is the third time in chapter 14. No, it's the fourth, the fourth time now in chapter 14. We had a sermon last Sunday that I was here two weeks ago on the Lord's Day. Is that one of these disputable areas? Well, clearly it is because believers do dispute uh, the use of this particular day. But just going briefly uh, through these verses so far, don't dispute over disputables. Issues on which genuine believers can and do disagree. Now, these would not be salvation doctrines. It's, we're not thinking here about the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not thinking about the triune nature of God. We're not thinking about the final state of heaven and hell and the final judgment. We're not thinking about repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as being essential. But there are many things that we could disagree on around that. We're not thinking either about gospel living. Uh, the law is there for us now joyously to keep in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Ten Commandments are eternal commandments. It's a law of love. How could you abrogate the law of God? Love God. Are we going to do away with that? With all your heart, soul, mind and strength. The first four commandments. And love your neighbour as yourself. Do we abrogate that? Is that to be done away with? Certainly not. The Ten Commandments are not disputables but what about the fourth commandment keep the sabbath day holy well all believers would agree where to keep the sabbath day holy it's a matter of how we might do that and that's what we thought about last time i was preaching here but in rome there were two areas of particular dispute uh, food and days there were jewish believers there there were gentile believers there Jews who became Christians brought the baggage of the food laws with them and special days and festivals. The Gentiles had none of that. And so Paul's dealing with the principles here. Number one, do not quarrel about these things. Number two, settle the matter in your own minds. Verse five, each one should be fully convinced in his own mind on these disputable areas. And then live and do to the glory of God. 
Fourthly, do not judge somebody who's doing something you wouldn't agree with. And fifthly, do not despise someone who's got scruples about doing things that you do do. So tonight, those of you who are free on social distancing and feel quite relaxed, and there are some downstairs who feel, no, I'm a little bit unsure about this at the moment, and so I need a measure of social distancing. Well, then, you downstairs aren't judging those upstairs, are you? You're not saying, ooh, you're being over over free, and you upstairs are not judging those downstairs, saying, well, you know, you're not despising them. Well, why have you got these, these scruples? You see how it can be applied? Not about food here, but there's a ready example. And then finally, the principle in these verses is that God is the final judge of all. Who am I to judge the servant of another? So we each have freedom on disputable Matters either to partake or not to partake, or or do we? We thought about the example in uh, in Rome that readily came to mind. Came to my mind anyway. I've shared it with you. There's the morning service in in Rome, and uh, the preacher has preached on the person, the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's been a thrilling sermon and great uh, hymns. All the modern hymn writers have been out there in, in Rome and uh, they've got these lovely new uh, hymns and uh, the instruments, the lute has played uh, particularly well and the lyre and all sorts of things. It's been a lovely, lovely service. And then they come to open lunch and there are the pork sausage rolls. Oh, the Jews, some of them, are appalled. How could, how could these be eaten? And the Gentiles are despising the Jews for their... Scruples. So is Paul saying, well, just do as you like. If you feel free to eat the sausage rolls, eat them. And uh, if you don't want to eat them, don't eat them. Well, it's not as simple or straightforward as that. And that's why we have this next section, verse 13 onwards. And the governing verse is verse 13. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather... Decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. So instead of judging or despising each other, we're going to make a decision. This is, it happens in the mind. I've got to think it through. And here's the principle that I, you, we will never put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. So that's where we are this evening. Do I eat the pork sausage roll? Do I refrain? What's my attitude? I've got to come to a decision. Rather than judging or despising, I'm going to decide not to put a stumbling block in your way or be a hindrance to you. And you mustn't make me stumble. You mustn't be a hindrance to me. So two two words here. One, the stumbling block. And this would be something that's in the way you you trip over. It might be a rock or a, a root something pretty permanent, and you, you trip over it. It's a stumbling block. It could be something quite accidental. It's a stone. You didn't see it. You tripped over it. If you hadn't been there, you wouldn't have tripped, but it was there, and you did trip. A stumbling block. Hindrance. Greek word's interesting. Scandalon, from which we get a scandal, something that's scandalous. 
Now, the indication here is that a hindrance is something of a trap or a snare, and it could well be something that's more purposeful. I'm going to actually trip you up. I'm going to stick my leg out as you go by. I'm going to put that brick there that wasn't there. I'm going to put that banana skin in your way to become a hindrance. It could be put this way. Don't cause a weak brother to stumble. There's the stumbling. Also, it could be put this way. Don't be a hindrance to a strong brother who's got a measure of freedom on a matter. So see, it works both ways. It's not just that if someone's got scruples about a sausage roll, you'll never eat a sausage roll. But if you're one who despises the sausage roll, or would be judgmental about the sausage roll, then don't be. It can work both ways. The onus is on both groups. One, not to be a stumbling block, and the other, not to be a hindrance and to restrict the freedom that others have come into. You see, you could have the situation in a local church where somebody says, oh, well, Paul says, you didn't make me stumble, so you're just not going to bring that banjo into church. Well, I'm just, just, look, it's not in my notes. I don't think there's anything on the agenda to have a banjo in the church. I really, I really don't. But if you're the only one who objects to the banjo and the other members are all for the banjo, you can't say, well, it's a stumbling block to me, so there can never be a banjo. Otherwise, the church is held to ransom by the scruple of one or just a few. I've got an expression up north, I don't know if it's, uh, I think it happens in, in Wales as well, where we talk about the tail wagging the dog. It's ridiculous. I've got a dog at home, Pip, you met Pip. There he is, the dog, and his tail goes like that when he's happy. It'd be very disconcerting the tail was stationary, the dog was going like that. That's ridiculous. And that's where someone's got it. You, you can't, I'm, I'm immovable. And you must play to my tune. So Paul is dealing, inspired by the Spirit, with these particular issues. Now, how or in what way could I cause a brother or a sister to stumble? I think it could happen in this way. Two things. Number one. If I do something or act in a way or insist on something I know a brother or sister has got problems with, then what I can end up doing is provoking in my brother or sister, who is a believer, I provoke in them a judgmental response. I will cause them to be critical of me for my actions. I'm going to provoke a quarrel, which could lead to a breach of fellowship, all about a pork sausage roll. And the kingdom of God isn't about that. It's not about trifles. It's about weighty matters. And we shouldn't be led up blind alleys. Secondly, and worse, if I do something which um, a fellow believer has got scruples about, and they see me doing it, it could that lead that weak believer to do that which would cause them harm. So a ready example might be we might have differences about alcohol. And there will be believers here who say, well, I, 
I have the occasional drink. I know the Bible's teaching is very plain on drunkenness. I should never lose control. But I do enjoy the odd glass of wine. I'm speaking in the third person here. There might be believers here. There will be believers here. Not me. No, maybe about it. There will be believers here who say that. Or the odd beer watching a game of uh, football or rugby. And then there will be believers here who will say, no, it's, it's a terrible evil in society. And as Christians, we must make a stand. And we should not drink. We should be countercultural. We should be clear and distinctive. And here's one of the distinctives. We should not drink. Now, I've never heard it be an issue here, thankfully, in 21 years as pastor. I've never heard it be an issue. So I think we've got the balance right on that. Nobody raises it. Nobody seems to have scruples or objections. We haven't had uh, drunken members. I think one pastor was dismissed uh, for drunkenness. But that was a time when uh, the, the pastor's pay was a certain amount plus all the beer he could drink. Well, that was the church's fault then uh, on that matter. Now, it's not in my stipend that you give me all the beer uh, that I can drink. But we haven't had such an issue here. We've had other issues, sadly, but not... Not that one that uh, comes to my mind anyway. But there's two areas where we could cause a brother or a sister to stumble. Provoking in them a response that's judgmental or leading them into sin when they should have been avoiding that particular area. Verse 14, Paul is now on food. I know, says Paul, and I am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. So he's thinking about food now. So Paul's saying, if I were at that open lunch in Rome, I could eat the pork sausage roll because I've, I've heard of the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ who in Mark chapter 7 declared all foods clean. Now nothing from the outside going into a man can make him unclean, says Jesus. It's what comes out of the man, out of the heart that makes him unclean. So that pork sausage roll. And uh, in this he declared, says Mark, inspired by the Spirit, all foods clean. Now, it took Peter a while to get cotton onto that. He had to have that vision. Threefold times, that, that sheep coming down, arise, kill and eat. And uh, God having to say, don't call that unclean, which God has called uh, clean. But Paul is convinced on this. All foods are clean. And yet the second half of verse 14 but, where is it? There's, there it is. But it is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. So here's two people in the church in Rome. One's happy to eat the pork sausage roll. For him, it's clean. Here's somebody who's got scruples. For him, it's unclean. I mean, the whole chapter section ends up here with um, if you sin against your conscience, then it is a sin. But whoever has doubts, verse 23, is condemned if he does eat, because the eating is not from faith. Whoever does what does not proceed from faith is, is sin. So this is the general situation here that Paul is dealing with. All foods are clean, says Paul. I'm convinced on that. But there are some believers who are not convinced on that. And to them, that food is unclean. And to eat it for them would be sinful. But for one who's reckoned it, it's clear in his mind that all foods are clean for him. It is not a sin. These are those disputable areas. But don't be a stumbling block 
and don't be a hindrance. Rather, how should I conduct myself? Verse 15 is a wonderful one. Here it is. Really, verse 15 follows straight on from verse 13, so uh, it's good to read. I'll read from verse 13 again. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. Verse 15, for if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ has died. If your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. Well, love is everything. Love is the theme of the first 11 chapters. The gospel is all about love. For God so loved the world. And if I get it, I love God in response. And I love you in response. And I wouldn't want to offend you. It's the last thing on my mind. I wouldn't want you to stumble. And if you were, have more freedoms than I do in certain areas, I wouldn't want to be a hindrance to you enjoying that, whatever it might be. If it's not a central core issue of the gospel, if it is a disputable area, I shouldn't hinder you from enjoying that freedom. And the governing disposition ought to be love and we've had it in chapter 12 and chapter 13 following these great doctrines in chapters 1 through to 11 then you have uh, chapter 12 and verse 9 for example let love be genuine abhor what is evil hold fast to what is good love one another that's agape with brotherly affection phileo agape loving beyond any reason the love of God shed abroad in our hearts, phileo, a camaraderie, a brotherly love, a friendship, and getting along together. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honour. Oh, brother, I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't be eating this, the pork sausage roll, brother. I've got silly scruples. You carry on. Oh, no, 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 I will not. You must eat it. No, 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 I will. Yes, you must eat the sausage. Outdo each other. Thinking of each other. Now, pork sausage rolls aren't the issue here. But there could be a big long list. Now, we've got to work it out for ourselves. I said about a banjo. Do you find that offensive? Why, it's only a banjo. What about a flute? What about a cello? Cello? I know someone who plays a cello particularly well. I don't know two people. You've got to work these things through. Take the principles and work them through. The latter part of verse 15 is a stark one. Do not destroy the one for whom Christ has died, insisted, but it's my right. I know all foods are clean. I'm free. And yet in doing that, where's the love? Where's the love? And insisting that your brother doesn't enjoy his freedom. I'm offended by what you do. Where's the love? 
on a secondary issue, on a disputable. Don't quarrel about things that are matters of opinion. Where is the love? By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. And that's a strong word, apolumai, de- destroy. It's used in um, eternal dis- destruction, de- destroy. It's a very strong word. What does it mean here in this context? You can't stop somebody being a Christian. You can't destroy uh, their salvation. Certainly not. Uh, I think a little bit later on, it becomes a little bit clearer. Verse 20, do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. And that's, that's a lovely picture there. In the Philippians 1 and verse 6, he who began a good work in you, that's God, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. And it's, you know, the Christian walk is not about food and, and drink. It's going to come on to that. A great verse, verse 17. Far bigger than, than that. So don't get sidetracked about food and, and drink and, and minor issues. Don't, don't stop, don't hinder the work of God in the soul of a believer by a matter of food and drink and other issues we'd want to, to apply. Verse 16, a lovely summary. So do not let what you regard of as good be spoken of as evil. Food. Paul's convinced. Nothing wrong with food. Eat eat what you like. All food is is good. And we eat it, giving thanks to God. We we eat it with a thankful heart and do it to the glory uh, of God. But here's somebody who would disagree. No, I I will not eat pork or whatever it might, might be. And they despise it. And you're eating... To the glory of God, this lovely pork sausage roll. And here's a brother who hasn't got that strength and he's despising the pork sausage roll. Don't, don't let that happen on any issue. Music, instruments, drink, clothes, tie, no tie. He's not wearing a tie. No, he's not wearing a tie. He hasn't worn one for quite some, some time. Uh, there are three here tonight. I think it's a record number in recent times. And uh, I don't despise the tie. And uh, you're not judging me for not wearing the tie. See how silly this can all become. And arguments held about such silly things. And churches do. And they'll argue on Bible versions. There was an advertisement in one of the evangelical newspapers for a pastor. But to be the pastor of this particular church, you had to be a man who used the authorised version of the Bible. Otherwise, you couldn't be their pastor. Hey, no. Who am I to judge? Maybe I'm falling into the trap myself. Is the gospel bigger than Bible versions? Well, of, of course it is. Of course it is. We don't let... Good things be maligned by our misuse of them. And we come to this verse 17. What a wonderful verse. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Oh. So that sermon in Rome on the Lord Jesus Christ, his person and his work, 
Don't get sidetracked by the food on display at open lunch, but focus on the Lord Jesus Christ, the wonder of his person and his work. Think about those first 11 chapters of, of Romans. How a man, a woman, a child, a young person is put right with God. Children here tonight, great to see children here tonight again. Children watching at home, have you trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ? You know he's your saviour. It's possible to know tonight, children, that you're saved and you're bound for heaven. You repent because you're a sinner and you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is he? The Son of God. Fully God, fully man. Why did he do for you? He came and lived a perfect life because, children, you can't do it. Then he died to pay the penalty for your sin. He took your hell that you might gain his heaven. And you trust in him and sins are forgiven, peace with God. What you get is righteousness that covers you. Peace with God. And it ought to give you joy in the Holy Spirit. Now one of the great missing features of Christianity today, certainly in Western society seems to be a lack of joy. Well, if we can't have joy, real joy, wonderful joy, whoever can, whoever can. And it ought to be expressed and it's produced by the Holy Spirit, joy unspeakable and full of glory. And as we live like this, relegating secondary issues into the second division, championship, league one, league, it put them in the... The, the lower leagues, the, these things. And let's keep on the Premier League and let's look at the, the main things. That great saying of Alistair Beggs, the main things are the plain things and the plain things are the main things. And so many things that we'll squabble about and have quarrels about. Get a minor mention in the Bible of anything at all. But we want to hang our hat on it. Why? Well, we clearly don't love Christ as we ought to do. And we're forgetting the wonder of the gospel. And anybody who lives in this way, deferring to his brother, his sister, not being a stumbling block, not being a hindrance. And this is true of him, verse 18. Another wonderful statement. You know, we could spend a week on each of these statements, but um, coming towards the end of my ministry here as pastor, so we're rushing through uh, somewhat. Look at verse 18. Whoever thus serves with that attitude of love, is acceptable to God, well, that's wonderful, and approved by men. God accepts him, accepts his service, how wonderful, and people look at him because he's not making a big issue over secondary things, not displaying his scruples and causing arguments and quarrels. People look at him and say, well, there's a wise, godly man. How lovely. Here we have a man or a woman of peace, acceptable to God, approved by men. So then, verse 19, let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. Talk about Jesus Christ and his work. The last three verses, for 20 to 23, are really about uh, actions. Let me just read them through in one or two comments in, in conclusion. Do not then, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. So the pork sausage roll is clean, but don't make your Jewish believer stumble by eating it openly in his presence. Have some 
spiritual common sense on the matter. It is good not to eat meat or drink water or drink wine. Drink water, that would be a problem, wouldn't it? Or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. There's a catch-all. So we're in the area of the anythings and we've got to fill those things in here. Don't make my brother stumble with X, Y or, or Z. The faith that you have, keep between... This is an interesting verse. The faith that you have that something is good and wholesome. Somebody else might disagree. Um, what can I think of? Jill's having kittens up there. Oh, I don't know. Um, uh, a glass, glass of whiskey, let's take that. So here's a believer who says, well, I just, last thing at night, I sit down and have a glass of whiskey. Another believer will be horrified. The faith that you have to drink that glass of whiskey, you settle in your conscience, it's fine. Keep between yourself and God. Don't put it on Facebook. Don't put it on Instagram. Don't bring it up over open lunch or tea and coffee in the back. If you settled it, just... And maybe it might go wider. It just comes to your attention that Sydney. Don't know how you found out, but he, he quite likes a wee dram occasionally. And when Sydney comes round, he says, I've got this single malt from, uh, it's a smoky peaty one from the Highlands. Fancy one? Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. And together, but if Bert comes along, you know he's teetotal. Keep the whiskey bottle away. See what he's saying here? The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. So if you can drink that glass of whiskey, you're not going to excess, and you have no conscience about it, Scripture says here, you're blessed. You're blessed. But, but, verse 23, whoever has doubts, do you like this little drama of whiskey? Never drunk in my life. Should I? Shouldn't I? Should I? Should. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. Don't sin again. If your conscience is saying no, then it's no. And your brother should never have offered it. In fact, those things that are disputable, don't, don't even bring them up. Unless you found out somehow that Sydney likes the dram, then okay, there's an occasion. I'm just using one example. You might think that's not, not the best one to use. What can I use? Pork sausage rolls don't hold any, any, any traction here, do they? But the, the wee dram of a whiskey might. Whoever has doubts is condemned if he drinks that glass because he's drinking. He's not coming from faith. For whoever does not, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Sin for that person. So don't sin against your conscience. But don't just leave it there. Be prepared to educate your conscience from Scripture. And don't be so stubborn and awkward that you're never going to move on a matter. Now, some things you're wise to avoid. If you're a recovering alcoholic, you would never have a whiskey. Of course you wouldn't. Of course you wouldn't. But maybe you thought there'll never be a banjo in this chapel. Well, why not? Why ever not?
Well, in fact, the Bible's got more about stringed instruments than any gizmo that we got here. And get a mention, doesn't that? Although it is a stringed instrument. I suppose the pure thing is a stringed instrument, isn't it? You're going to tell me. The piano? Percussion? Oh, well. It's got strings, though. It has got strings. Anyway. What was I talking about? Yeah, educate your conscience. Don't just say, oh, this is the way it's always been with me. Let's try and meet on these matters. But may love prevail in the light of the love of God in the gospel. I suppose the highlight standout verse there. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this brief time in your word. Thank you for your word. It's searching. We find these latter chapters now of Romans uh, difficult as we go through them. It ought to be so because we're not the finished article. Oh, we pray, Lord, you continue to persevere with us and we'd follow hard after you. You change us from glory into glory to the greater glory of your name.